Welcome to Sheer Jeshub. This is Patty Scalzo. Please join my husband, Greg Scalzo, pastor of Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, and myself for the next few minutes as we continue our Bible study on heavenly authority. In our background study of heavenly authority in the Old Testament, we left off last time with the giving of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. The Shekinah, or manifest presence and power of God, came visibly upon the mountain. There were thunderings and lightnings, and the mountain quaked as a thick cloud came on the mountain, and the Lord descended upon it in a great fire. And the people were allowed to hear the voice of God from heaven as he gave them the Ten Commandments. Let me reread Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 to 21. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. An interesting statement by Moses. He says, do not fear. And then he says, God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. You think of the old hymn where we sing, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. The Lord had told Moses to place boundaries or limits around the mountain, so that the people could not go up the mountain or even touch the foot of it, otherwise they were to die. And we said last time that this was to show the holiness and purity of God. Our God is a consuming fire of holiness, and sinful men and women cannot even begin to approach God, nor stand in His presence. The sight of that mountain of Sinai rightly should strike fear in the hearts of sinners, and a reverence for the things of God which are holy. And yet we also saw last time the mercy trumpet of God, the ram's horn, or shofar, which when sounded meant the people could go up to the mountain, could begin to draw near the holy God by his grace. Moses could freely go up and down the mountain and enter the presence of God. But God had told Moses three days earlier to tell the children of Israel that he desired them to be a kingdom of priests and a holy or consecrated nation and the immediate long and persistent sounding of the horn of the sacrifice meant that by God's mercy some, these priests, so to speak, could begin to approach God. Moses was cautioned that the people could not just break through or force their way past the boundaries, lest the Lord break out against them and many of them perish. It was not to be a mob scene. Rather, as the Lord told Moses in Exodus 19.22, let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And remember, this is well before the priesthood from Aaron was mentioned or instituted in chapter 28. All the people heard the trump of mercy, of jubilee and freedom. Yet only those who would now spiritually consecrate themselves, that is, sanctify or reckon themselves in their hearts set aside for a holy purpose to be used by God, even as Moses was. Only these would benefit from the trump and be able to draw into God's presence and power. 
But what is the reaction of the people to God? They trembled with fear and stood afar off. They didn't want any part of the things of God. Their fear was natural. Moses says, God did this great thing in their midst, so that his fear may be before them. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. This was actually God's grace to the Israelites, so that they were forewarned not to sin against the living God. More people in our society could use a good dose of the fear of God. Unfortunately, many will not wake up to the greatness and majesty of God until they stand before the judgment seat of the Lord. It is by the grace of God when we come to understand in this world that God cannot be mocked and that God is not a human to be trifled with. The things we sow, we surely will reap. And this type of fear of God is healthy. For that matter, Moses then says, Do not fear. For, Patty, when we come to understand the majesty of God and that He is in control, then grace my fears relieved. It is as though Moses is telling the Israelites, Look, God has shown you His power so that you do not sin against Him. But don't be racked with unnatural fear. After all, this is the same Lord who desires you to be His people, who sounds that ram's horn you're hearing. They are being called into a relationship of love with the God of Israel. And as 1 John 4.18 declares, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. But the people maintain their same stance, the position expressed when they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. They wanted Moses as a go-between with God. Moses gives us more detail of this conversation in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 23 to 27. So it was, when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? You go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us all that the Lord our God says to you, and we will hear and do it. For this great fire will consume us. In Deuteronomy 5.5, 5, Moses tells them in review, I stood between the Lord and you at that time, to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up the mountain. The fire speaks of the change required of each individual. It speaks of repentance and allowing God to burn off all that is wrong in us. John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor, and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And Patty, while a person is never to harm his body, which is God's temple, Jesus gives a series of warnings in Mark chapter 9, 
verse 43 to 49, to emphasize the gravity of the sinful condition. He says in verse 43 and 44, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell, Gehenna, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. He says likewise, should your foot or your eyes cause you to sin. And then he concludes in verse 49, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Our listeners should understand that everyone will be seasoned or salted with fire. Either we will be seasoned with the loving, cleansing, and purifying fire of God's Holy Spirit in this world, even as the divided tongues of fire came down upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost, or we will be seasoned with the horror of the eternal fires of Gehenna. And if we do not give our lives to the Lord, and ask Him to burn away the old life, and give us the new life He has promised, all that remains is the fearful expectation of judgment. God desires men and women in sincerity to consecrate themselves unto Him, to draw near and rightly enter the holy fire of His presence, which burns away all that is wrong, yet does not devour our spirits. Rather, it makes us a kingdom of priests. But the Israelites do not want to do this. They stand afar off. They know themselves. They know they are sinners, and they don't really want to change. And, Greg, there may be some listening who are like that today. They may know instinctively that, the way they are, they are not worthy to approach. So they draw afar off from God in fear. But God has a trumpet of mercy, and that trumpet is Jesus. But they must desire the change, the spiritual consecration he brings, to enjoy the moment of grace God has for them. Amen. As a result of the Israelites' resistance, the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. And it has been the same in religion ever since. Actually, the Lord tells Moses in Deuteronomy 5.28-31, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go and say to them, Return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I am giving them to possess. It is because of the hardness of the people's hearts that there then needs to be a separation, a distinction between the minister Moses and the people. If they will not consecrate themselves and become like Moses, then it is far better they do not attempt to approach the mountain, or indeed they will die. So the Lord tells Moses it is right to do what they say. They can go back to their tents. Moses will hear for them and tell them what God says. And Greg, this separation of the clergy and laity, so to speak, continues on to today. That's right. In many religious institutions, there is a cleric who does all the work of religion, many times with the mystique of being the holy person, and there is everyone else, the people, who prefer to sit back and watch the cleric and stay separate from the things of God. That's because it relieves them of responsibility. The people have the same attitude as the Israelites, in effect telling their clergymen, you do it for us. 
it is easier to have an appointed person go before them to God to do their religious observances rather than changing and entering into their own relationship with the Lord. And Patty, it's not very healthy for the minister or the priest either, who is responsible for all the work and who in turn has his ego unnaturally exalted. He could begin to have a guru type of mystique about him as the people become his followers. But we'll see in our next program that Moses did not think this way. And we'll see not only his heart, but the heart of God concerning authority. For now, we must understand that it was because the people's hearts were hard that this religious division of Moses from the people was necessitated, a separation which will continue throughout the law and the Old Testament. But such a division is really not the heart's desire of God. And under the new covenant, there is no mediator, save one, the God-man Christ Jesus. No other human being can stand for us as a go-between between God and us. And we are all called to approach and serve God through him. As it says in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And Revelation 1.6 says that he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. If you would like to write to us, our address is Shir Jashub, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. It's always encouraging to hear from our listeners. Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Town Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south on Route 79 to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shir Jashub.